You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Is Will going to make a career jump as a full-time surfer because of HBO's 100-foot wave? Should we be stoked for the release of Part 2 of Dune for later this year? Is Ted Lasso Season 3 as good as Season 1 and 2? Is Amazon's Hunter's final season bringing the same gusto as Season 1? And has James Gunn given us his best in his last addition to the MCU before he jumped ship to the DC Universe? Uh, This is Systematic Ecology, guys. I am uh, your first-time lead host, Nick Polk, and I am here with uh, Wilbo Baggins uh, this Monday morning. How are you doing, Will? Good. It's definitely a Monday. Uh, catch up Monday on uh, we do uh, comic book catch up. Well, today's catch up Monday uh, around the office and, and things. But but yeah, man, I I saw an incredible movie over the weekend and I'm catching up on my shows. So I'm really excited for this. Uh, what's new episode uh, with with Nick leading leading the charge. Yeah, man. Hey, did you uh, I guess, too, it was free comic book day this weekend. Did you participate? I did. I had a I had a funeral on Saturday. So what I did is um, I was like, what, how do I head to my local comic book store and grab some free comics? Do I go before in the morning with the crowd or I wait till the afternoon and there'll still be stuff around? Well, I waited to the afternoon and there was still a big crowd at my local comic book store and Ultimate Comics, which does North Carolina Comic Con. They have like four different locations around North Carolina. They're almost a franchise at, at this point. And I know the comic book store owner. I know, know him pretty well. And um, they always do a great job with free comic book day and, and they did a good job i mean free comic book day is they throw out some stories that um you know that that people love or maybe have read before or teasers for upcoming books to kind of tease you or lure you in to to get into the comic book game and and then they have like age appropriate for for all comic book fans of all ages from little kids all the way up to lifelong comic book fans uh so it was great they put out some good stuff there were some fun little stories and some stuff come down the road that that made me excited to get man i had like forgot about free comic book day and then i was on instagram on saturday and our local comic shop is called rick's comic city and they had mm. posted their line you know and i was like oh man it's free comic day it's free comic <laughs> book day and i missed it but also you know, I was busy a little bit graduating. Yeah. So. Yeah. Congratulations for graduate. You're now a mass master, a master. master. That's right. I'll be your Padawan. You can be my, my, uh, English professor, English teacher, uh, master and lead me down the right road to, I would be English glad to, I would be glad to professor you <laughs> <laughs> as long as you pass yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in terms of what's new, like the, uh, um, it was a, it was a fantastic geeky week. You had May the 4th and then oh, yeah. you had a brand new MCU movie and then you had free comic book day. I was like, man, like, yeah. Marvel does a great job in kind of linking up and syncing up um, the synergy around like a brand new movie with free comic book day. Uh, And then the fact that like May the 4th is there along with it with all the Star Wars stuff dropping or or people celebrating the anniversary of Return of the Jedi, all that all that stuff. Just like last week was a good, good geeky week for sure. Disney, we've talked about Disney knows how to coordinate a pop cultural religious experience. Yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well cool man i'm glad that you got to participate and got to get some uh get some cool comics and see the new uh guardians of the galaxy movie but before we jump into that um tell me what you uh besides comics and star wars and all that good stuff what you've been uh nerding out on lately will yeah is this where we want to jump into the what's new kind of the nerding out of of the part or, yeah. or something different yeah yeah okay um, yeah, I, I feel like there's um, there's a lot of cool shows that are out that singer are just kind of watching and, and trying to figure out what mood we're in. What mood are we in? Are we going to watch like a toxic family and a corporate um, the corporate world of succession on HBO, or are we going to go like feel good with uh, Ted Lasso, or are we going to go geeky and do like something Star Wars? There's also the main thing um, I've been geeking out on. Everyone knows I'm a big time surfer, lifelong surfer, and um, it's the thing. Uh, other than like my family and and Star Wars is probably like the thing I think about the most daily <laughs> surfing and checking webcams and trying to figure out when I'm going to get back down to the coast to, to catch a wave. Um, but HBO has a documentary called the hundred foot wave and they, uh, it's in season two. 
And so the first season was really about this big wave uh, surfer who uh, put uh, this big wave um, surfing spot on the map, Nazare, Portugal. And so uh, uh, McNamara is this, is this big wave surfer from Hawaii, and he didn't necessarily discover this wave in, in, in Portugal, but he definitely put it on the map and lured other big wave surfers to come surf this like monster wave. And, and if you ever see like the press pick up like a uh, world record, world record breaking wave from, you know, surfer from Brazil or Hawaii, usually it's a picture of Nazare uh, in Portugal. And so it's really the, the documentary season one is just kind of what happened and how he found it and where, where he was, you know, um, how he just kind of let other people know what this spot is and, and put it on the map and, and big wave surfing. And then season two is kind of going back to this spot um, within the world of COVID. So they filmed it in 2020, 2021, right when, when COVID was happening. And so you kind of get a picture of how things were shutting down and what they're opening up and uh, all those kind of dynamics. But man, you know, like with all things, there is um, different genres and versions of a particular geeky subjects, right? So, like if you, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a of now. Okay, so there's different like within Christendom, there's different. Uh, uh, spiritualities and denominations. You have Orthodox, you have like the spiritual, but not religious. You have uh, the Methodist, you have the Lutherans, you have the Catholic, you have high church, you have low church in surfing, you have the same thing. You have people who just go out and surf for fun, right? Then you have like this kind of um, surfing at its base is um, kind of like this rebellious kind of uh, movement of, of sticking it to the man that I'm not going to work in your corporate world. I'm just going to go surf, man. And it's kind of got this hippie vibes to it. Like, you know, down with the man, we're going to go surf. So they're rebel. But then you have like organized surfing, professional surfing. You have the marketing uh, and capitalism of surfing that they want to be mainstream with the boards they're selling to make money on the, the clothes and the lifestyle and that kind of thing. And then you have the World Surf League, which is like the NBA or PGA of professional surfing that goes around the world and people make money being professional surfers, the best surfers in the world want to make it on the dream tour and go uh, surf these amazing spots uh, and compete and, and say, who, who's the best surfer? Um, and so within all these different kind of genres and personalities of surfing, you have big wave surfing. Me, I grew up on the East Coast, so I feel like I'm a small wave champion. Give me any kind of small wave, I'm going to surf it. Um, but but big wave surfing is a whole different ball game when it comes to how you surf these giant, giant waves, whether you tow into them with a jet ski and they sling you into the wave because the wave's so big you can't even paddle into it, or... or um, yeah, the, the type of surfboard you have to use for these monster waves that are literally 80 feet. And, and the quest for this documentary is, is, is there a wave that's a hundred feet out there somewhere in the world that perhaps one day somebody will, will surf it. Um, and, and this documentary, um, goes into the personalities around big wave surfing and then what they do to get ready for it. And then the heartbreak of, cause when they wipe out, man, you could, you could lose your life. It's one thing if I fall on a waist high wave, um, at Wrightsville beach, sure. I got to watch out for shallow water. I don't want to break my neck or skin up my knee, but man, when you're surfing, literally when the wave breaks and the white water is, is taller than a building coming at you, you got to figure out like how you're going to survive that. How are you going to hold your breath? How long can you be, can you hold your breath underwater and all that stuff. So it is fascinating. I love it. So if you want to learn more about surfing in general and uh, particularly big wave surfing, um, hundred foot wave is definitely a documentary on HBO. You should check out. Dude, I love, like, that was probably out of the things that you talked about for new stuff as we were preparing for the episode. That was the thing I was kind of geeking out on uh, harder than anything else. Like, I'm probably going to go see that, um, like, first thing this week. Uh, nice. Because I grew up on the Gulf Coast of Florida, and so we didn't really mm -hmm. have any waves. But we mm -hmm. would go when hurricanes happened, and we would, yep. tropical storms, and we would surf. And I did a lot of skimboarding as well growing yeah. up. And mm -hmm. loved surfer movies, you know, and a lot of surfer videos that I watched was more of like the the punk rock early stuff or the videotapes had like, yeah, they had like Pennywise on the videos. And, uh, <laughs> you know, basically like the rigid, that culture of like, I'm not going to be part of your, you know, part of your nine to five type of stuff. And then, uh, you know, I've, have you seen the movie Surf's Up, the animated penguin surfing movie? Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like one of my favorite movies of all times. Like there was a summer mm -hmm. where one of my best friends stayed at my house for a summer and we would go to the beach, we would skimboard 
we would do our thing almost every day. We both had summer jobs. We'd go to work and we'd come back to my house and we'd either uh, we'd play Madden and then we'd go to bed to surf up like every night. It's like routine, man. I, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. Similar to like surfing. I mean, uh, skate, you have the, like the skate culture, skateboarding, you know? Right. So you have like professional skateboarders who want to be in the X Games, being an ESPN and seen like as a legit sport. And then you have like the rebellious, like we're going to skate down this um, bank stairwell and uh, grind on the rails and, you know, no skateboarding alive. We're going to tear that sound sign down and, and do what we want to do, you know? Um, Bones Brigade, Power Pro to stuff but the um surfing is similar like you you have the mainstream uh the competitive surfing and they want it they have their instagram account they want as many followers and they want to push a product and they have stickers on their boards because they're sponsored but then then you have the group that are like yeah like you said have the surf videos or the clips of like uh hardcore punk um pennywise black flag all, all that stuff and they're they're rebelling against the machine raging against the machine with their uh, yeah. with their surfing and yeah as a gulf coast yeah you had to similar to me you know rice beast gets pretty good waves every every now and then with the change of the seasons but yeah for east coasters and gulf coasters you have to wait for the hurricanes and as horrible as they are and destruction and and how we don't want to see how lives are upended and people lose their lives for for people who like to surf on the east coast that's how you're only going to get the big waves of consequence that you see on these videos right and so um so i'll, I'll chase hurricanes and i'll i'll chase and and plot where they're going and see where I need to go days before they hit. And Gulf coast was the, is the same thing. I spent some time down in South Florida, with my first church and you didn't get many waves until there was a, a storm out, out in the Atlantic and, and you had to chase it, chase it down. But yeah, surfs up is, it's fantastic. I mean, we should do a whole episode on surfs up because, oh, and, please. um, because uh, not only is the am, animation great, but, um, I think what it gets at in terms of what surfing is and the, the soul of surfing and also the competitive part of surfing and what are you chasing is, are you a free surfer, soul surfer, or are you uh, just out to, for, for fame? Like with anything, they do it for the love. How do you understand the waves in the ocean? And when I, when I do a surf camp at my, my, um, one of our Lutheran camps for, for years, I did surf camp and, and do a week of camp. That's one of the movies we would watch at night with, with popcorn and say, all right, kids, you know, get, let them get a couple days uh, in the ocean, getting sunburned and beat up by the waves and surfboard. And then we show them, uh, surfs up to kind of do a little, uh, Zen teaching moment with them about what surfing really is about. <laughs> man, I that, I'm jealous of that. I wish I had gone to surf camp and yeah, just, man, like you said, that whole movie, the art is great. The, the spirit of it is great. The mute, the soundtrack is amazing. Like I have mm -hmm. that soundtrack Jack Johnson. on my phone. Jack oh Jack my God. Who <laughs> is a surfer. Grew up surfing North Shore. Yep. Yeah, man. Well, I will have us transition because I could talk about surfing all day with you. Oh, oh, but, yeah. We'll but, do that. We'll do that again at another yeah, point. <laughs> ooh, ooh, stay tuned, listeners. Uh, mm -hmm. um, but we'll move from a sea of water to uh, a sea of sand as we mm. talk about uh, the uh, announcement, the new, the newly announced uh, part two for Dune that's going to be released later this year in November. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some of y'all uh, who have uh, maybe read Dune, if you read the first book, or maybe you've done a deep dive into the whole series, I have not. I've only read the first book because I've heard other fans say that the other like five, six books are complete garbage. I don't feel that way, but I also haven't read it. So, but I haven't decided to make the commitment. But apparently, we got the first half of the first book for for Dune for the first movie that came out. Um, which stars Tim Timothy Chalamet. Uh, oh my gosh, uh, what's his name? Zendaya. Zendaya. Oh, yeah, Zendaya. Yeah, Zendaya. It's Zendaya, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, or Zendaya. Zendaya. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. Uh, what's <laughs> who's the? I, I'm I'm like blanking. I'm terrible in the midst of things like this. But the guy who plays Drax is in it too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, Batista. Yeah. Just a, just an amazing cast, and they're adding to it. Florence Pugh is going to be in part Ooh. two, and she played yeah. in Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow. And we are going to get the latter half of this the, the first book, which takes place a couple years later. And I guess they're going to bring some elements into the second or third book in the series too. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of pumped. 
Yeah, I am too. I mean, I think Dune as a whole, in terms of the sci-fi and that big, thick. I mean, as you know, you're you're a Tolkien scholar and expert. You know that you have the main the main story, and then you have the appendix and the and um, appendices and the details and the similarian, and then the extra writings. I think Dune has the same as a big, thick main story, oh, yeah. but then around it, you have how do you expand that story even more? And so, fans of Dune and um, Frank's work is that, uh, yeah, they're, they're diehards out there. He changed the game when it comes to like sci-fi and you put up their best sci-fi stories of all time. He's always up at the top. And, and so they tried to do this movie in the eighties and, uh, some people love it because of how bad it is. And some people hate it because of how, how just nutso it is. And then for them to redo it and do part one, I, I loved part one. It's on HBO. Now you could go look at it. Um, you know, if you, I think for those who come in just dry without like no prior knowledge to what Dune is or, or the history behind it and, and the, the original book, they kind of go in and it's like, wow, this was kind of a slow, uh, slow burn with methodical music and then it ended weird and they were like well mm. there's a part two coming <laughs> and yeah. it's a two-parter and i said very let me show you how thick this book is and how they can't put it all in one movie and people are like oh okay yeah my family I, I thought i had communicated with them about um you know that it was two parts but that i guess not or they missed it or weren't listening and so when they left there's like that was a weird ending to a movie and i was like yeah there's there's a whole nother three-hour movie coming out after this one <laughs> Dude, it made me happy just because, you know, I had, I was just a big fantasy guy for the long time. And I remember hearing lots of people that I listened to podcasts about Tolkien with and then other sci-fi fans. And they were like, if you don't read any other sci-fi, you got to read Dune. Like you yeah. just read Dune. And I did and like tore it up and mm -hmm. fell in love with it. And like you said, the world building is crazy. Frank Herbert, who's the author of the book, mm -hmm. spent like five years researching like ecology and like different yeah. environments so that he could make like an ecologically like consistent planet. And like, you know, you get to the underground and where the water is and the dunes and like the plants that are underground and like, you know, just the revitalization of the planet for those who... Um, have read the books and haven't, you should, because it's really interesting. Um, it gets into issues about colonization and what happens when an empire comes and takes a world of its resources, you know, those sort of things. And so, uh, the like I said, the world building is great. I would say read the book first. Um, it, it makes the movie more enjoyable. But man, uh, the movie is just, the atmosphere is fantastic. Um, Hans Zimmer does the uh, the score, and it's obviously it's Hans Zimmer. I know we're going to briefly touch on Muppets, but he did uh, Muppet Treasure Island. I mean, come on, nice one, so of, one of the best movie, uh, one of the best Muppet scores of all time. He did Pirates of the Caribbean and things like that. But anyway, super good, super otherworldly feeling. Um, like I also have that movie soundtrack on my phone too, and listen to it frequently. Um, like and I, for those of me you know, who have heard me, I'm like the biggest Tolkien nerd, but um, I think it's a better book to movie adaptation than the Lord of the Rings. Like I like the Lord yeah. of the Rings movies better, but this uh, this part one adaptation um, is probably the best movie to book adaptation I've ever seen. Yeah, that that that's great. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And as we kind of talk about, you know, things that we look forward to, I, you know, they announced um it coming out. They didn't re necessarily release the trailer, but they they released kind of the the date of when it's coming out and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff and, and kind of creating some hype around around that. I'm I'm hopefully it's all shot and done because we've got a writer strike out there that right. um, you know, I hope it doesn't put things on hold when it comes to um some movies that are that are coming out and there might be some things and delays that we're lo really looking forward to but stuff that's already been shot and put in the bank um and then um you know post edit kind of stuff hopefully they can they can keep working on it till and, and won't get delayed because i think it's supposed to come out in november mm -hmm. yeah i was looking up stuff and a lot of the things i saw as far as articles didn't mention any writer strikes or any delays but right. that could also be an intentional thing of the algorithm to make sure that we uh, stay hyped and pay money for part two. 
which I will be regardless if it comes out in November or not, because the first movie was excellent. And I was, cause they were talking about like, they weren't going to make part two unless the first part was successful, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And it was successful, yeah. obviously, but yeah, apparently I love that threat of the fans. Hey, you need to come out and support this movie because if you don't, we're not going to make part two. We're going to leave you hanging. And they're like, uh, okay. I know it takes a lot of money and time, but they're like, yeah, we're not going to film this entire movie back to back and uh, unless you really support the first one. So, you know, and when everybody's cutting costs and trying to uh, figure out what the new normal is when it comes to like post-pandemic uh, streaming and movies right. and, and shows and writing, they were like, yeah, we're going to throw this out there and then it doesn't make money. We're not going to do part two, but but here you go. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I bought the movie too, just because I have a lot of streaming services as most of us do. But it was one of those where I was like, I would need part two in my life. I need to figure out ways to show them that I want them take my money, make me part yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. And so as we're talking about uh, things coming out, I, I just wanted to real quickly say one thing I'm really excited about. I'm a big Muppets fan. And uh, I think, you know, and I did a whole episode on on Muppets. You can go back in, in the archives and, and find that one. I was geeking out on, on just Muppets in general. But, but and I've always thought about, and I think Disney, when they acquired the IP of, of the Muppets, tried to figure out what to do next. What kind of show? Does a variety show like old? Are they going to try to do a reality show? Do we age this up? Do we age it down? Like, what, where do we do with the Muppets? Similar to like what they do with Star Wars. I think, how, how do we handle this IP? Sometimes they've done it well. Sometimes they, they haven't done it so well. But there's uh, this week, as we're recording, a new show is coming out called uh, Muppets Mayhem, where they're focusing in on the electric mayhem, that kind of funk, psychedelic band. <laughs> That's a part of the Muppets. They get their own show. So we get to follow them uh, as I don't I don't know what it's going to take. If it's they're trying to go back on tour, if it's episodic or just a movie, I, I need to look in that. But I, on on May 10th, it drops. And uh, so I get a new new Muppet show, a new Muppet movie with a bunch of cameos uh, with uh, musicians and actors that uh, Kevin Smith was even like, I put this on hold for a long time. I couldn't talk about it, but I get to be in a Muppet show. And he was so hyped about making an appearance within <laughs> This. And that band with Animal and oh, yeah. and uh, you know the Mr. Teeth like oh my gosh it's, it's I, I can't wait I'm definitely going to be right up uh, pull up a chair and popcorn and, and geek out hard over the new Muppet Show dropping on Disney Plus. Well, they were like the main focus of like the Muppets movie right that came out right it was called like the Muppet movie right and then it had made like the band was the focus right no that the original muppet movie was basically kermit you know wanting to go to hollywood but then also being chased by doc you know the hopper who wants to like tear off his legs and have frog legs it was kind of twisted That's as a right. kid but but right. but along the way the journey was kind of like this pilgrim's progress or or like lord of the rings where they're picking up people along the way and meeting people along the way to hollywood and one of the stops is they stumble into this old church where this band is playing and one of the best songs of the whole movie is they meet the band and they they kind of go along so they they meet people along the way as they head out to hollywood uh to, to make it. And so, you know, the first appearances and how <laughs> they're brought in, but yeah, they, they, it's an old rundown church and, and they discovered the psychedelic pump, uh, punk funk band that, that's, uh, you know, just wants to make, make some music and yeah, man. And then you got animal playing drums. He's, is there a better character than animal out there? I don't think world? so. Probably. I, I don't think I mean, so. I feel like every drummer that I've ever heard who lived or grew up around the Muppets has talked about, yeah, I wanted to play drums because of animal. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure I've heard like so many professional and like drummers that I know just being like, yeah, animal is my inspiration. I love it. Yeah. I'm ready for, I'm ready for a mayhem origin story. So I also mm-hmm. love Muppets. Um, so a little bit of Muppet world building that I will mm-hmm. also jump into. So Will, tell us about too, um, Ted Lasso, because I am one of those lamos who have not jumped on the Ted Lasso train, not because I don't mm. want to, but just because, um, as I, I finish school, so I plan to revamp uh, my nerdy, just catching up with everything. But mm-hmm. I've heard I've heard lots of mixed feelings about season three because everyone season one, everyone was like, "It's amazing, it's incredible." Season two, same thing. And season three, I've heard a little bit of mixed uh, mixed feelings. So t- tell us, yeah. t- tell us your feelings about season three. 
So you haven't watched any Ted Lasso season one or two? I have not. I know I know story plot lines and kind of like the plot, like what he's doing in the UK, you know, as an mm-hmm. American coach and how he gets up in that situation and his, you know, his familial problems and things like that. But Yeah, yeah. I think like even if you're not a soccer fan, so if you're like, I'm not interested in soccer, why would I watch the show? Soccer is just the tool and means by which to do- go into like the dynamics of human relationships, whether it's, uh, you know, father, son, uh, um, a team, a sports team and and how they can work together, coaches, uh, your nuclear family, your immediate family, then extended family and, and friendships, your, your boss and uh, who's your boss and who you work for and what's your purpose behind that, all, all those questions. And it's just an amazing, amazing show. And it's just peak television. And I think the drama, it's it's funny. It's, it tugs on your heart. You, you tear up in moments. You really feel for the characters. It's it's such a good show. Um, I, I love season one. Season two, I was like, okay, how, how are we doing this? Where are we going? I thought it really went into like mental health and, and just such a healthy way. And then season three, I, I think when you get to the third season or even the like the third movie of a trilogy, you're like, all right, how are we going to do this different? How are we going to tell the same story with these characters we really love? We want, we want them to be who we loved in season one and season two, but also tell a different one and move it forward. And they announced that this is the last season they're only doing three seasons so mm-hmm. you know how do you land this plane where is it going and so there may be some there have been some some episodes where i'm like yeah it's more of the same maybe it's it's getting long in the tooth maybe i'm, I'm getting a little bored with it as you know I, I i there's been a couple episodes like halfway through i'm checking my phone I'm like why am i checking my phone like i this the show's on you know and so but there's been a few episodes where i was like that's one of the best episodes of just TV I've, I've ever seen in terms of wow. how they weave in and out the relationships and talk about how they live with each other and work with each other and, and the pressures they're dealing with. I thought longing for love and authentic relationships, like there, there's the mid season break. Um, they it's on Apple plus. And so I think they did six or seven episodes and then they took like a, a week long break and then they're going to do another, another six, but the one before, um, they took a, a little little short break. Uh, was one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. And as a Chicago uh, um, Bulls watching Michael Jordan play basketball fan, they they even have that within within the that particular episode. And I was like, I was all in, man. It was so good. Man, it, it, you talked about it, and um, I talked about it. you have the same tone of voice that everyone else who I've talked to about the show. Like when the show was announced, and I, I think like. I was kind of like, okay, whatever. Like it's a comedy, like a dramedy, you know, with Jason Sudeikis, which I really, I really like him a lot. Um, but it was not long afterwards that like everybody was like passionate about this show. They're, like you said, yeah. like people got, I had friends who have tattoos of like Ted Lasso tattoos because of the show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like it, I feel like it was as soon as it released, it had like a giant following. Like people have merch, they have hats. Like I, I feel like a lot of people in religious communities have talked about like the connections between some of the themes and their own religious journeys and their spiritualities and church relationships and pastoring. Um, and like, I feel like like a quarter of the men that go to my church have Ted Lasso gear that they wear at church. Like they'll have the hats with like, you know, the symbol or whatever and uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. different, uh, different uh, button up shirts with, you know, different elements from the TV show. But, um, and so I, I, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's those things like it, it won, um, won an Emmy and it got popular and then, you know, it started selling merch. And so when it, things get popular, how do you hang on to the original intent or does it, you know, sell out and go a different direction? I don't think it's sold out or anything. Um, but, but yeah, when things get really popular, how do you hold on to that, the charm of what it was at the beginning? And, and so that might be what season three is, is dealing with. Um, but yeah, I have a, a, a friend of mine, pastor, friend of mine, Matt, Titus, who wrote a book, The Gospel According to Ted Lasso, that you can use as a Bible study. So I'll throw that plug out there if anybody oh, yeah. out there wants to do that in their church. I mean, it is like, you know, it's, it's got language. It's got uh, situations that aren't necessarily like kid kid friendly, you know, but but like for uh, mature adults who can handle those things, like you could really do like a good Bible story exploration of the themes you see in there when it comes to human relationships. And, and that what makes it... Um, 
just so, so great when it comes to those things. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. I can't recommend that enough. That's what's up. Yeah. I, uh, I'll get on it. And I think we've talked about two shows who, uh, don't overstay their welcome tend to be a lot better. And it sounds like they're trying to do mm-hmm. that, which is cool. Yep. So yep. another show that's kind of doing that too, uh, is Amazon's hunters, which is, mm-hmm. um, they also, they're, this is their second and final season. And so the first season came out during like the pandemic. I think it was like in the middle of 2020. And so the show is basically in the seventies centered around a Jewish kid, uh, in New York, I think. Yeah. New York. And, uh, it's either that or Chicago, but anyway, he's kind of, he's a Jewish kid. He's a nerd. He lives with his grandma. His parents died and his grandma was a survivor of the Holocaust. And so he ends up getting connected with people that she was connected with who were, who end up being Nazi hunters, who they go around the United States and it's, wow. they find Nazis who came over from like a project or a operation paperclip and they find them in the United States and, and hunt them down. And so uh, it's interesting too, they connect a lot of it with nerd culture because the main character, uh, which his name is Jonah, he uh, works at a comic shop. And one of his best oh, friends nice. got a comic shop and actually what motivates him because he keeps getting recruited and they talk to him about, um, you know, he's like your, his grandmother ends up dying and it's connected to like Nazis and he ends up, uh, he's like resistant to joining this movement because obviously you have to like kill Nazis and stuff and it's very <laughs> secret and against the law and uh, his friend ends up getting killed in the comic shop while he's working and it motivates wow. him to jumpstart into uh, um, to join this group. And so anyway, so the first show, he joins Nazi Hunters. He finds this guy who dated his grandma, who claims to be a survivor of uh, the Holocaust and finds out that this guy who is pretending to be this old Jew who's kind of funding, you know, this, this thing was actually a doctor in one of the uh, concentration camps. And so he gets like betrayed, but it's also this guy who funds the whole uh, mission of the story. So season two is uh, they f- you, at the end of season one, we find out the ki- the crew gets broken up. A couple people die. And because of this last mission, they're trying to like really take out a huge neo-Nazi organization. It ends up not it ends up not working. Um, and a lot of the main people who they're trying to target and get rid of flee to Argentina and in the show Hitler is still alive and being harbored in Argentina. So now season wow. two is about these Nazi hunters trying to come back together to find Hitler and kill him. So anyway, it's, so what's, it's a, what's the time period when it's set in? Is it set like in the mid 40s 70s, or 50s? Mid 70s. Mid 70s. So 70s. this is okay. like, you know, 30 years later dealing with mm-hmm. like the direct aftermath of World War II. And so let's see, the first season's like 1976, I think. And the second season's 1979. And okay. the main character is, so he's not in the United States. He's in Paris now. And so he tries, there's a main villain who's like a Nazi, but he's a politician in the United States and they weren't able to get him. So, but he finds out that this Nazi politician likes to come to Paris to a certain brothel. So it opens up with him in Paris waiting, like going to this brothel every day for a year until the guy finally comes and he catches him and kills him and finds out that basically that Hitler is still alive. And so anyway, that jump starts the whole season too. Um, So it just deals with a lot of really interesting themes like, uh, you know, like what do you do as a person who, how do you address evils in the world? How do you uh, address Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. racism? You know, do you do it with violence? Uh, Do you do it with peace? Um, You know, what, what's the, what's the margin between, um, you know, complacency and action. And it deals with a lot of that stuff. Um, and there's really not a black and white show. It's one of those that I think I spent, like I journaled when that show first came out, like just did a wow. lot of internal wrestling. Cause even then too, George Floyd had happened, mm-hmm. all these other things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this show really spoke into it, you know, the dealings of systemic racism and things like that. So anyway, the show is Action packed. It's got a comedy element to it, um, and also, who doesn't like to see uh, Nazis get uh, totally pulverized? 
Uh, I think Nazis don't like that, but that's yeah, okay. True, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, our mutual friend Triffel is doing a class on Bonhoeffer, and and you know, and oh, yeah. you know, Bonhoeffer's uh, life and history and work and martyrdom it stems from like his resistance against fascism and and Nazi and Hitler and and that whole thing. Like you know, he's he's a Lutheran theologian and and pastor who, you know. Um, you know, leading a resistance against Hitler, but also a plot to, to assassinate him, you know, so you know, like, is, is killing any, is killing or murder uh, or assassination at any time justified? You know, we think that when it comes to Hitler, it gets really close to saying yes, but then if you're a pacifist, you have to wrestle with those things too. So I think the whole class, it deals with the writings of Bonhoeffer and where we are as, as a nation. And I hate that Bonhoeffer's writings still hold up, but but they definitely still do. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm hopping in that class and, and um, Bonhoeffer is, you know, of course, um, I'm a fan of his work and what he stood for and, and challenges me, um, as a pastor and as, as a disciple and as a person who's living in a world, um, that still wrestling with these things. So, yeah, I, I have not watched hunters, but I've, I've heard about it. And then you talking about it makes me, okay, I'll put that in the queue, put that on the list for sure. Oh yeah. The cast is crazy too. They just, I mean, Al Pacino's in it and there's like a, a Josh Radner, uh, and a million and one other actors that join in and come in for season two as well. Um, but yeah, tell, so we've got that. Let's, let's switch back to, uh, non, uh, you know, Nazi related, uh, <laughs> IPs. <laughs> what about, uh, what about star Wars vision, man? Tell us. Well, if we're talking about, about, uh, um, uh, well, we can talk about empire. We can talk about imperialism. We can talk about oh, resistance. So you know, true. yeah. So, so stormtroopers. We oh, can. So true. Um, <laughs> really, but it is a transition there because we're going to talk about sci-fi, Guardians of the Galaxy. We promise we'll get there, folks. Uh, I won't spend too long on Star Wars Visions, other than that's what Disney decided to drop on uh, May fourth on on their platform to kind of. Um, give some new content out there to Star Wars fans. They had a season one and basically, you know, what if the main top anime studios did their own version of like Star Wars or Star Wars theme uh, shorts or cartoons anime. And I, I love season one. They played around with a lot of different styles and versions. Um, there's no legacy characters there. Yoda doesn't show up. Luke Skywalker doesn't show up, but there's different lightsabers and talking of dualism of the light and the dark and and resistance and, and empire and all those things. So I, I enjoyed season one, season two dropped. I've, I really have now that I know kind of what it is and what it isn't, I really was able to lean into it and I've watched all but the final episode and every episode is so different. The animation is so different. So one episode you have like 2d art that looks like the last airbender, which is my favorite anim animation style. Uh, and then you know, when you have like a claymation stop motion, like Wallace and Gromit, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Um, and then you have one that's like half art paint slash computer generated 3d and 2d together. Um, which the, the first episode is, is that, and I, I've really liked it. I part, I think some of my favorite star Wars podcasts and, and fans out there, um, have kind of questioned why this, and they'd like to see this done with more like in Canon stuff. But I think allowing these anime studios not to have to wrestle with canon and legacy characters gives them the freedom to tell the story they want to tell. Right. Um, but there's another element of like, maybe this is just a one big like audition <laughs> that whatever people gravitate to what, whoever does the best job, it can't help but feel like, Hey guys do your best work. And then we might choose you to do uh, uh, the next big cartoon animated or movie within animation style or anime style and and let you wrestle with um you know uh, a mandalorian or a luke skywalker's uh jedi training ground in one of these kind of animation styles i would love that um but for the most part i've, I've had a really good time but there's some that hit more than others uh there's one episode that i really really loved and it's called Journey to the Dark Head, and it's very um, Last Airbender style animation, and uh, a Jedi wrestling with the dark side, and uh, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous, um, gorgeous little short. So if you don't watch any of them, uh, watch that one. Um, and then there's a quote from it where where the Jedi who's been wrestling with a lot of stuff says, "Hope has as much weight as despair," mm. and so uh, that whole element of you know Star Wars is about hope. And, and how much weight do you give hope and how much does hope inspire you in the midst of really dark times and hard times? And so in our world, that that particular phrase really kind of um, 
really hit me hard this week. Uh, hope carries as much weight as, as despair. And which, which one are you going to feed? Which one are you going to give most attention to hope or despair? Um, not to ignore the problems of the world, but, but man, there's also a lot of hope too. So, so yeah, Star Wars Visions is fun. If you like anime, uh, if you like that style, go in, have fun with it, hold it loosely. Cause there's no major, like big reveals, uh, big, kind of canon storylines, but, but Hey, they have fun with it. These studios are, are doing a great job. So yeah, dive right in. I love, love, love Avatar The Last Airbender. So I'll check that out. And I love when people explore extra canonical storylines, uh, mm-hmm. just that, just enjoy it and express their artistic talents in ways that maybe aren't, uh, connected with canon. Uh, that sounds yep. really fun. So, uh, you know, we got Star Wars, we got Dune, uh, and we got freaking Guardians of the Galaxy, man. Yeah, yeah. I I saw this movie, um, let's just say spoilers. You know, if you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, pause right now, go watch the movie, and then come back because we are going to have some spoilers in here. I know Nick has, you know, he was too busy graduating from a master's degree uh, to go see the movie, so that's <laughs> totally justified. Um, and so... Um, uh, but he doesn't mind the spoilers. I did hear somewhere that someone said that sometimes spoilers helps you get into the story even deeper because you're not so sitting with the anxiety or wondering what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And you're stressed that they're going to go a direction you don't want them to go into. Sometimes when you finally know what's going to happen, um, then then you can sit and rest easy and just enjoy the story. So sometimes spoilers isn't bad. And that was kind of my experience at the end of this movie that we'll get to in a little bit. Um, yeah. But but I won't bury the lead. I, I will say Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is a fantastic um, way to wrap up this trilogy. Uh, the ending was fantastic. James Gunn knocked it out of the park. Uh, I, I loved this movie. It's one of my favorite um, MCU movies, um, I think of all time. Um, and I think wow. it's because, um, at the beginning, I was trying to figure out what they're doing. Is this going to be a grand cosmic story with big tie-ins to the next big thing in Marvel? No, it, it is a simple plot, um, that, that unpacks again, what makes this team so special in their relationship with one another. So, so the plot is, um, Warlock that was teased at the end of volume two uh, comes rushing in to where the guardians are and on, on nowhere. And he's trying to capture and steal and kidnap rocket. Um, and so battle ensues right from the get go. You're like, Oh, okay, we're starting this now. Um, and, and big action. You almost get crash fatigue at the very beginning. Like, Oh, wow. What what are we doing here? But basically he tries to kidnap rocket. The team defends rocket, but rocket is pretty much on, on like getting ready to die. So they need to save rocket. Like they, there's something attached with like his robotic enhancements and augmentation that there's a death switch or kill switch. They got to figure out how to kill the kill switch. And so, so basically the plot is we're going to save rockets. Like we got to go back to where, um, where they did this to him and find who did this to him from the very beginning and then try to save rocket's life. And so that's basically the plot. And, and they do introduce different other side character characters that you've known and loved throughout the whole trilogy. Um, but, but yeah, as the adventure is, we got to save Rocket's life. In the midst of that, you have flashbacks of Rocket. You don't know Rocket's story. In other movies, they've said, um, you know, they say, why, how did you become the way you are? You know, you were just a raccoon. And then now you're like this, like, assassin, enhanced robotic cyborg uh, raccoon. He's like, I'm not a raccoon. You know, and then well, tell me your past. He goes, I'm not going to talk about that. Well, in this movie you find out why he doesn't talk about it because there's some traumatic experiences from this new villain, the high evolutionary who experimented on animals and turned them into like uh, superior robotic enhanced uh, species. He's on the quest to, to perfect uh, life. Uh, he's playing God. He wants to, uh, the world is the way it is and he's gonna, he's gonna tamper with it and enhance it. And he's smarter than everybody else. And so, man, he's a great villain to hate because he's the mad scientist. He's the Dr. Moreau. He's the one who is experimenting and torturing animals for the higher good and the higher purpose. So you're like, ah, I hate this guy. Of course, if you try to do that to my dog or the, my, my beloved chipmunk in, in the church garden, then of course I would go after him and, and try to kill him. And so the soundtrack is incredible. Um, 
the um, uh, all the stuff that James Gunn has done with the other two movies in the MCU is right in line and continuity with that. So the the movie is just absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, you get to the end. And uh, it puts a nice bow on top. He wraps it up. Uh, his team is done. And they even kind of set up uh, a, a, perhaps a new team or another direction that someone else can run with. Uh, because James Gunn's hopping over to DC and got to curate all their their lines of movies <laughs> and stories. And so, man, he stuck the landing when it came to Guardians of Galaxy 3. He gets a nice salute. Thank, thanks, MCU. And then and then his head over to DC. So this movie is fantastic. Fantastic. If you're familiar with the other two movies and you love this team, uh, I can't recommend this movie enough. Man, you know, and like the other two movies, I feel like out of all of the MCU, that Guardians of the Galaxy uh, movies have had like probably the most distinctive individual flavor out of all of them while being connected to the rest of the MCU and all the other ones do too, right? You got Iron Man and Thor and they have their own individual tastes. Um, and, and feelings, but I feel like there's just something really special and different about Guardians of the Galaxy with the soundtrack, yeah. the direction that James Gunn brings, the comedy that brings, I think, hits probably a lot more than some of the other comedy and some of the other ones do. Um, yeah. You know, I, Thor Ragnarok was my favorite, or not Ragnarok, um, Love and Thunder was probably my favorite Thor movie, mm. but some of the comedy yeah. didn't really hit for me. Um, and obviously right. then going back and reading the God Butcher saga and being like, dang, <laughs> this is just levels, levels beyond amazing. Mm -hmm. But I like the spoilers, too, you know, for me, because, you know, I love thinking of the deep themes within movies and that stuff doesn't really ruin the story for me. You know, you're talking yeah. about, uh, you know, what they were doing with Rocket and even some of those questions of like bringing the mad scientist of like. You you did all you did all these things about uh, what is it? Oh gosh, the line from Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, where it's like, "Oh, just because you can doesn't mean you should." That's right. Yeah, he's <laughs> thinking about if you could and didn't think about if you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I guess just thinking about the trauma behind because we even talk about our culture, this you know transhumanism and how do we use technology to bolster the human experience? Um, you know. And there's obviously they, it seems like connected to Rocket, there's some trauma and maybe even some warnings, mm -hmm. you know, that we see. Yeah. 100%. Because I, you know, sometimes, you know, as, as a religious leader, as a shepherd, as a pastor, I go into shows and movies and whenever they portray a priest or a pastor who's an asshole or who is abusing their power or those kinds of things, I'm like, oh, no, I feel like I got to defend and be like, we're not all like that. Yeah, there's some out there, but there's some good ones too. You know, and in this movie, you had the mad scientists experimenting on on animals and those things. And I, and I feel like the other one, I was like, you know what? Science isn't all bad. You know, there are some people who do great stuff out there. You know, I'm diabetic. I have a continuous glucose monitor hooked to the side of my arm. I am a cyborg. It gives readings to my phone. And so I have a robot uh, enhanced uh, body right now. My dad has a pacemaker, you know, who helps regulate uh, his heartbeat. You know, um, people wear contact lenses and glasses. And put, you know, hearing aids in their ear so they can hear what I'm trying to say to them on a Sunday morning or just in close proximity. So, so there's ways that we augment our body and use technology to help help our human experience. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there are people and still even religious traditions today that won't allow blood transfusions or, you know, no, don't take time or Advil. You're just playing God, just live with the pain, you know, but, but that's an extreme, but I think there's a way you can use science as a gift for others. So I felt like in this movie, I was on the other end going, oh, but they're not all that way. You know, science that created vaccines over COVID are, are not experimenting and planting a chip inside you. Let's not get all like super, um, you know, paranoid about these things, but, but he was a great villain and, and it does, it lifts up like how far is too far when it comes mm. to those things at what expense do you not value life, um, uh, at the expense of like your goal of wanting your version of life and the world to exist at one point in the movie, you know, um, high evolutionaries, like, you know, someone says like, Oh God. And he's like, there is no God. That's why I have to step in, you know, and, and, and finish it and do what I need to do. Um, 
And then he's like, I've come here to perfect things. And, and Rocket looks at him and says, you, you didn't want perfection. You just didn't like the way uh, life experience for you. So they, they play around with those kind mm-hmm. of messages. Um, and so even, in the, even though high evolutionary is like, um, you know, there is no God, there's a moment where, where Rocket's heartbeat stops and you're kind of like, is it, are we, oh, okay, are we killing this dude? Uh, you know, I'm, this is the final movie. Who are we killing off in, in this movie? Right. Um, but, but he has this kind of like bright light, near death experience and encounters you know, like some friends of his that have passed away and they, they basically kind of whisper in his ear, like, yeah, you can come with us, but your story isn't done yet. In fact, the whole story has been about you. And you're like, Holy crap. All right. All the guardians have been all about rocket. You know, you, you can make that case. It's, it's been about star Lord and others, but like when she whispers in his ear, you know, this whole story has been, been your story at tears running down my eye. And then he goes back to finish what, what he was called to do. Um, and even, you know, founder and host on, on this podcast, Joshua Noel share with me, like he had a near death experience himself. He was a major car wreck and, and had like a, a near death ex- religious experience vision. And they enhanced his body with metal to put, literally put his body back together. And he was brought back to continue his life. And he feels like he has a higher purpose or, or like his, there's still more story to be told and he's going to value the life and the gift of life that he's been given. And man, what a, what a message. And so this, this movie does that along with the hijinks, along with the comedy, along with like ridiculous things. You're like, Oh my gosh, that's the cheesiest thing I ever think. But so funny. Um, the soundtrack, there's some songs in there. I was like, Oh, I forgot about that song. I'm going to get, when I go home, I'm putting that on the playlist. Um, so, so yeah. And, and then I'll share like my movie experience was I went and saw this with friends opening night, Thursday night, um, 30 minutes to go in the movie. There's about 30, 40 minutes left. Um, they drop um, Beastie Boys, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. And, and that be, and then there's a slow montage of them lining up, getting ready to do the final battle. Uh, and they're going to go and face what they need to face. And then the whole movie theater shuts down. So awful, dude. Will sent me this video, y'all. <laughs> and it went dark. And then all of a sudden... Um, the people, you know, it's a full theater. People are like, WTF, what's going on? Turn it back on. And I felt so sorry for the, the movie theater. It's not like they did this on purpose. It's not like the manager's like, let's shut it down now. They had a power outage. I don't know if it was a storm or just something in the area, but they couldn't help. The whole movie theater, every theater and the entire, every movie that they were playing, the whole theater shut down. And so, uh, but then people started doing like, um, as we were waiting, you could, the, things came back up and you could hear the audio. So the movie was still going. We just couldn't see what was happening because the the screen or the projector or whatever's happened digitally wasn't projecting up on the screen. So it was kind of dark and you could still hear the movie playing. So I'm hearing the battle. I'm hearing people getting killed. I'm hearing voices. I'm hearing these big poignant moments in the movie. And I'm like, was that Rocket? Did he just die? Um, maybe I should leave. Maybe I should go. Was that Star-Lord? I think he just died. Well, nope, there's his voice. Maybe he came back. Um, so I'm wrestling with these things. <laughs> and you get to the, uh, we go out side and the manager's like we'll give you free movie passes but i think you know if you need to leave and bail you can always come back and you know it's it's like 11 o'clock at night and i'm like i don't know if i'm going to come back and watch this whole movie all the way through again right. uh, to wait you know i have this recording i want to do with nick where i want to talk about it. i want to finish this freaking movie um and i think i just got some spoilers listen to the audio uh but but then they were like i think we're going to get it back up in about 30 minutes so Cindy and i wait most of the most of the people leave and so Cindy and i wait with about a handful of others. How long did you yeah, wait? Hang out. We waited about 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, part of that was like wondering what, what's going on. And so like 15, 20 minutes was like, is this going to happen? Is it not going to happen? What happened? Is it going to hop right back up? Th- those kinds of things. And then, um, but, but then when they say, well, I think we'll get it back up in about 30 minutes. And then the guy brings in his computer and he's like, um, all right, where, where did you guys leave off? And we're like, well, right where the BC boys are dropping no sleep till Brooklyn. And he's like, I haven't seen the movie. Where is that? So I had to look on his computer and find the time stop of where the movie is started. So he hit, um, he, he hit play a little bit beforehand and it was, um, and so I'm glad I, I stayed because it was amazing. What happened after No Sleep Till Brooklyn when they go in this kind of hallway fight scene yeah. um, is one of the best moments in all the MCU when it comes to like a fight hallway scene. Better than the Daredevil hallway scene. Really? Like it is, it, it is 
it is so freaking good. And, and what they do and how they wrap this thing up towards the end and some of the lines that they say and set up or, or really put the bow on the movie and then kind of set up like there's, there's still some options out there. They can run with this team. It's not like the guardians are never going to show back up again. Some people, some, some characters have moved on. Some, some, um, are going to stay and create a new team. And it, it is, it was so great. So, so yeah, that was my movie experience. I was dedicated. I hung in there. Yeah. Some people were creating shadow puppets up on the, on the screen with their phones and uh, laughing in the midst of um, the audio still going on in the background. So whenever I was trying to figure out what was happening, but it, for me, it enhanced the experience, a memorable experience. And knowing that some characters were not going to die, I, that anxiety left me and I was like, okay, I can now enjoy this and and mm-hmm. like sit there, not worry that that they're going to kill off a character or not. <laughs> Dude, even in the midst of technical difficulties, MCU theatrical experiences bringing it all, bringing it all. That's man. it. That is, it is. It, it, it was good. So I, I the, the movie was was fantastic. All all the the MCU goodness and the characters you love, but also some great themes about uh, again friendship chosen family versus uh your when your when your own blood family does you wrong or um you know every single i realize every single character in the guardians just has like a crappy relationship with their like parents and family um but they came together and created their own family and and that's what was important to them uh in the midst of that so uh, that that whole theme is is there to the to the very very end and they create some new characters there's the child or human trafficking experiment on on animals for the benefit of science all those things are there and it's, it's on the nose you can't escape it but even like human trafficking and what we do with humans uh is there and then one of the the children in the midst of that that emerges there at the end the kind of in credit scene as a new character that could be a part of the guardians later on I'm like oh man they just powered her up oh she is a deep cut in the marvel cosmic comic book universe uh i had to go look it up i think that character is so and so from 2004 that they led and that uh, and i think marvel is setting up uh with some of these shows an extension whether it's with miss marvel or whether it's with um um, what they did with, with Loki or, or, uh, the winter soldier, all those things, they, they're creating a young Avengers team that they could eventually pull these kids and teens and preteens together and create love and thunder. We have, we have uh, love, love herself, right? Oh yeah. Uh, um, could be a hero that they connect with this new character from the guardians of the galaxy, uh, to create a young Avengers team that, that I really would love to see That's that's years away, but, but they really can set this up as, as having, a new team, new generation of, of kids that can create adventures or, or guardians that, that, uh, would be awesome. If we can get 50 years of star Wars, we could probably get at least 30, 40 years of, uh, Marvel MCU, uh, movies. <laughs> yeah. And, and I agree phase four, uh, there've been moments that were great. Some moments that have been like kind of misses for me. And sometimes Marvel can get kind of cookie cutter and you're like, man, I haven't all seen this before. It can get tired and get long in the tooth, you know? And, um, but, but if they regroup and deconstruct or reconstruct or for a new generation, do some of these new characters, old characters and pass on the baton to others done right. A, a, a new story told right. Um, it, it's going to be great. I mean, even Guardians of the Galaxy first emerged there. People were like, what? You're yeah, going with totally. this team? They're not A-list superheroes, which also gave James Gunn the freedom to do whatever he want with it. There wasn't like a baggage that came with it. He was just going to tell his story and do like cosmic MCU and, and have a rad soundtrack with it and, and, and run with it. So, so maybe you could do the same with some of these young kids that um, are, could be the young Avengers later on down the road. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And yeah, just before we, we wrap it up, my wife does not like nerdy things. I was telling you before, but she yeah. saw Guardians of the Galaxy she was, and she enjoyed it. So that just speaks to the test. That's just a testament to how awesome these movies are and how well James Gunn has uh, has done with uh with guardians of the galaxy so yeah yeah my i I bring i mean my wife likes movies she goes with me and uh but she doesn't have the baggage of reading the characters or like graphic novels on these things and so so i i look at it through the lens of like these characters i love that want to um i want to see up portrayed up on the screen and then i i kind of check in with her and say like how was that story just on its own without knowing like who these people are did it hold up did you understand what was going on this character makes sense and she'll give me her opinion no no problem 
one of the big characters in this that we're really looking forward to see was Warlock, which has a long history within kind of the cosmic um, Marvel comic universe. And then he was teased. And then this particular movie, about halfway through, I was kind of like, that was more of my disappointments. Um, I was kind of like, he seems kind of weird and uh, like a joke and not really... I just felt like it was handled too flippantly. Um, but by the time you get to the end, I'm like, oh, that's what they were doing with that character. He needed to grow. He was like a kid. He was a joke at the first. He he was like like the rest of the movie seen as like kind of a throwaway experiment. But by the time he gets to the end of the movie, he's looking at the Guardians and seeing what is portrayed within their friendship. And he grows and learns from that as seeing what is modeled for him of how to treat one another, how to respect life, how to be a family. Um, coming out of his own like experience or trauma, you know, of, of what he's being used for as a tool and then coming around full circle to being like, yeah, that's the group I want to be a part of as much as misfits as they are, as, as much problems that they have, they're still a family. They pull for one another and defend one another. And that was a role model for Warlock to learn from and, and eventually become a part of the next, next, uh, new guardians team that Dang. possibly down the road. So I, I, I liked, I liked how, um, how they did that halfway through. I was like, I don't know. I don't like what they're doing with that character. I don't like that at all. By the end, I'm like, okay, I now see what they did. I like what they did. Cool. I, we had to get there. Uh, growth moments. And and my other criticism of the movie is like, there are times where there's a lot of special effects, a lot of crash fatigue, uh, very busy. And, you know, sometimes I want to lean into not just the CGI crash moments and, right. and and action all over the place. I'd rather just sit with the characters and learn more about them. Uh, there's a balance when it comes to that. So there's some moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, another another scene where people are being flown into buildings and shooting and all that stuff. Uh, but but the way they handled it and the balance, I thought in the end it balanced itself out. And, and I'm definitely, I want to go see it again in the theater. There haven't been too many MCU as of late movies that I wanted to go see again in the theater, but I'm definitely seeing this one again. Um, there was one moment where they're flying to where they need to go and the song drops that I haven't heard in a while. I mean, I haven't, I need to go look it up. I forgot what this song was, but the bass line, I literally got goosebumps and I was like, this is the one of the coolest moments of all of this. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. So the way he mixes mu- uh, music with um, the story itself, it's just so good. So, Hey, ratings, rankings. I, I give it uh, uh, a nine plus, you know, is it a perfect movie? No, but man, it's up there. It's what I needed at this time in a very geeky week uh, of, of May, the first week of May. Um, and then tying a bow to, to that particular James Gunn universe. I, I, I give it a high nine, nine plus and, and we'll go see it again. And they taste things that come come down the road. Uh, and I'm excited to see what could happen. Will coming in, carrying us through uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy discussion as I, uh, I failed to watch it. But he's, he's got high praise. He's got some hot takes. Uh, you know, the uh, the hallway battle scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Volume 3, is apparently Wait better get there. than the Daredevil. Just know, just know when you go watch the movie, uh, friends and listeners, if you go watch that movie or watch it again, know that uh, I was hearing that happen in the dark, wondering <laughs> what the hell was going on. And, but eventually I got to see it and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I did. Because I was partly I was like, well, you know, I got to hear it. I kind of know the gist. I'll be good. But then me waiting for that was totally worth it. And then you drop Beastie Boys in there. I'm good. I'm, I'm in. It's over I'm with. In. You drop Beastie Boys in any with. action scene. It's over. Boom. It's over. You got me. <laughs> well, cool, man. Uh, you got any, uh, besides, you know, seeing Guardians of the Galaxy 3, you got any other recommendations for our listeners before we bail? No, no. Other than, you know, if you want to learn about we're getting, we're heading towards the summer. If we're heading toward the summer. So you head to the beach. Uh, you can grab your skim board, your boogie board, your surfboard, take a surf lesson. Um, you know, watch hundred foot wave, um, go, go, go watch surfs up, um, pull up some YouTube or Instagram. If you want some, some good Instagram slash YouTube follows, uh, with some of the top surf pros, let me know. I'll send you some good recommendations when it comes to who, who to follow on Instagram and social media, who throw clips out there of them surfing. Um, and then, and then if you want a surf lesson. Uh, reach out to me. I got, I got a whole fleet of boards. I can push into some waves and teach you how to surf. Yeah. And he looks good doing it too. Just, uh, you know, yeah. Sometimes, Uh, sometimes (laughs) my knee and back, my knee and back and the glue off the top of my head isn't what it used to be, but, but yeah, I still catch waves. I can, I still, there are moments when I still got it. 
Yeah, you got it. You got it. I I, I second the surfs up. Uh, go watch that, listeners and friends. It's if you haven't seen it, one of my. And favorites. it is kid friendly. That is, is kid friendly. That right. is yeah. So it's not. It, it is. You can watch it. Pull it up with your your kids of all ages and and have a blast with it. Yeah, seen. it's rated PG. I think just for some crude humor because they like fart and stuff like that. But it's a it's a great movie. Excellent movie. Um, so. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. Uh, if you want to hear more from Will about uh, his any other episodes that he's on where he talks about surfing and various other Marvel uh, IPs, you can go to the website, systematicgeekology.com, uh, where you can also check out episodes I've been on. And if you missed, you know, maybe you missed Christian, maybe you missed Pang, maybe you missed Josh, go to the website. You can find their stuff too. Uh, there we've got merch uh we've got a, links to patreon where you can come on we've got our discord where you can come and hang out with all of us and do some nerding out with us um and where you can come and suggest uh, future episodes and topics we like to interact with our listeners and friends so uh from that uh come hang out with us and just remember that we are all the chosen people a geekdom of priests This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.